I'll, I'll let me say this again. I just think if you're going to do jokes, Graham, you should just know the punchlines. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You're literally halfway there. It's I know, just, but it kind of matters the last the few steps, the, right? It's the other half that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 89. Data Breaches, Ransomware, Bitcoin Robberies and typewriters with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 89. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. Hi, Carol. Hello, Mr. Graham. And it's not just us two this week. We are joined by a returning guest. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Jeff White, technology journalist and author. Jeff White. Jeff, you're working on a new book right now, aren't you? I am. When you say working on a new book, that sounds like there's an old book. That was there. Um, I'm working on a book, a first book, and that is genuinely terrifying. Is it? Do you have to? Are you good at like spending a lot of time on your own and motivating yourself to write? Because I think that's where I fall over. I'm good at spending a lot of time on my own. There's no problems there. That's that's. (laughs) So you know, it's very exciting, and and you know, the publishers kind of came along, and they we talked about this book, and they said, okay, we'll pitch it, and oh, great, we'll pitch it, great, and then. there was a day when he said, you're right, that's it. You're contracted to do the book. You know, off you go, write this book. And I said, so what happens now? And he went, well, you just write it. Oh. <laughs> and I went, all right, okay. So that's on me, is it then? So, um, so yeah, you, off, off you go. And the idea, I mean, I, I know other people who've written books, so I know it's possible, but... Fiddlesticks. I think all you need is an app that goes and yells at you and says, right. stop procrastinating, Jeff. Start freaking writing. I call that. I call that my wife. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what that app is right there. Oh, isn't she lucky? <laughs> now, are you Are you going to tell us what the book is about? Is it oh, yeah. about an intrepid Channel Four technology <laughs> journalist investigating murders? Oh, what, I'd what, read that. An erotic romance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, Fifty Shades of White's not a bad idea. Um, no, so, no, it's 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 about cyber cybercrime. It is a book about cybercrime. So it is. Um, slightly historical and it tells the story of cybercrime from first beginnings to where we are now but obviously in terms of grand sweep of history cybercrime is a very new thing so very quickly we get up to present day and the idea is to just take in the whole lot and try and work out what some of the movements are so you'll be familiar with this the idea of moving from kind of banking fraud and banking trojans and those guys kind of start working on ransomware and that feeds into so it's, it's trying to sort of you know really look at the long trends of what's happened and, and where those trends have come right. from now, Jeff, I hate to worry you, but now you've said that on the podcast, you're actually going to have to write it. <laughs> Jeff, I've got a question for you. Is it, Go on. Is there a chance it'll be out at Christmas? Because Graham's been making up stuff in cybercrime for about 20 years, and I could get this for him, <laughs> right? And actually uh, you know, uh, educate not, him. I think, I think the honest answer, Carol, is yes, it will be out for Christmas, just not this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favourite teacher at school? I did. Madame Gilmore. She made learning not only fun, but useful. I once asked her why I needed to learn percentages, and with a wink she told me so no one rips you off while you're at a sale, silly. Decades on, I still remember. Like Madame Gilmore, Meta Compliance, the security e-learning experts, make learning best practice engaging and fun. Through stories, realistic scenarios, the Meta Compliance guys provide animated e-learning and even games like fishing drills to test your knowledge. 
Plus, these guys get passwords, they get GDPR, they get security, and they've won awards for security awareness. Smashing Security listeners, you guys can get 10% off by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash metacompliance and entering the code SMASHING. That's smashingsecurity.com slash metacompliance. Hi, Graham. Hey, Crow. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you have a password manager? Yes, of course I've got a password. Do you? Yes, I yes, I do. And do you honestly, honestly think that all companies should have a password manager? Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. If you don't have one of those, your employees are going to make some terrible password decisions and hackers may be able to break in and an enterprise-grade uh, password management solution, like the one from LastPass, for instance, will have support for Microsoft Active Directory and funky functions like that to make it even easier to secure your business. Okay. I think you've passed my test. Listeners can check out LastPass Enterprise for themselves by visiting lastpass.com slash smashing. It's not easy to say. Okay, guys, now ransomware. I think we need to talk about ransomware again. Again? Yes, I know. I I mean, it's never far from the headlines, but it has taken something of a dip of late, hasn't it? How much money could I pay you for us not to talk about ransomware? <laughs> we could maybe hold them to ransom. <laughs> well, like, I'll give you a Bitcoin address and you can yeah, just send you could, yeah. <laughs> five Bitcoins to that. So Chinese shipping firm Costco. Costco is well, not a Chinese shipping firm. Nope. Oh, for goodness sake, Crow. It's not Costco. It's not the place where you go and buy all your toilet rolls oh. in bulk. I'm talking about a shipping firm. One of these huge container ships. They are China's largest carrier of containerized goods and the fourth largest such operator in the world. They have been hit by some nasty ransomware at the end of last month. What they did was they went out onto their social media and said, look, we've suffered a local network breakdown hitting our offices. And there are a number of offices which were hit across the Americas, into South America, up to North America and Canada as well, affecting all manner of their users. Their computer systems went down and then emails leaked out as well, revealing that, in fact, what happened was they'd been hit by ransomware. So so basically they were trying to buy time to figure out what the heck is going on and how do we solve this? Buy some bitcoins. <laughs> and they isolated their offices in order to investigate. That turns out that, you know, that's obviously quite a good idea. You should isolate. Get offline, you mean? Well, you should certainly uh, disconnect one network from another network if you believe that one is infected. You don't want it to spread further and further. That's one of the bad things. The more aggressive ransomware these days doesn't just infect a single computer. It will spread laterally throughout your organization, spreading across the network and potentially compromising massive amounts of data and encrypting it. And obviously, you're then going to have a trouble. So Costco... (laughs) the shipping company, their website went down, their VoIP phone lines collapsed. They had to rely on free external services such as Twitter and Facebook and even personal Yahoo email accounts to (laughs) communicate with the outside world. It's true. So the age of people working at Costco is reliably around 50 to 60, isn't it? So this is... this (laughs) Exactly. I mean, things must be desperate if you're going to trust Yahoo with your essential (laughs) communications. Like, they've never been hacked, right? Ironically, that's about the demographic that you... 
Costco for their toilet rolls. So. Yes, <laughs> it could be, couldn't it? it? But it's true. If you go to Costco's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Cos, let's call them Costco. If you go to Costco's website, you can actually find a list of some fifty or more Yahoo addresses that they were telling their partners and customers to use. Oh, so they're like saying to customers, "Hey, our emails down. Email me like an account manager. Email me on my private email at blah blah at Yahoo." Yeah, they set up right. all manner of in different offices. Right. Some of them may be for ports in Panama. Some of them may be on the other side of the world, in China, wherever. Just lots and lots of different Yahoo addresses, which they wanted people to use instead, and of course, for you to trust them. So they're using Yahoo addresses. Their phones are down. Their website's down. Email it's is chaos. Up. It's chaos. It's chaos. That's not unusual. And when ransomware strikes, it's not unusual to call on desperate measures like using a Yahoo email address. That's a lesson that was just learned the hard way by the Alaskan borough of <clears throat> Matanuska Susit. Susitna. Have you been practicing that all day? <laughs> no, I, 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 well, I wish I had been. I tried to go on YouTube to find out how to Matanuska say it. Matanuska Susitna. Yeah, I guess you're Susitna. Yeah, it's the Susitna. Matsu, I, I believe it's commonly called. 35 miles north of Anchorage or so. What do they have to do with costs? Costco. Well, this is another case of someone being hit by ransomware. They also got hit in late July by a type of ransomware called BitPaymer also sometimes called Friedex. I don't know if it's called Friedex because uh, basically uh, you've... What, what's the bacon joke? You've lost your bacon? What's the phrase? Uh, I don't know. Have, what? Had your bacon? Is there a bacon? Is there a bacon joke? Fried eggs and bacon. I don't know. So, I'll, I'll let me say this I again. I just think if you're going to do jokes, Graham, you should just know the punchlines. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You're literally halfway there. It's just, I know, but it kind of matters the last the few steps, <laughs> right? the other half that matter yeah that's what i've done yeah <laughs> so matsu Burra got hit in late july by ransomware called bitpaymer also sometimes called fried x not the kind that you have for breakfast that's x as in the 24th letter of the alphabet yes you can be impressed later and it forced it also to disconnect from the internet turn off their voip phones the email systems went down and they started the process of wiping infected computers resetting passwords rebuilding systems chaos again again and they kept in touch with the public via facebook as well so there is some good which can come out of things like facebook in all at matsu in alaska 650 desktop pcs have been affected and more than a week later they are still cleaning up now there was an interesting quote by someone who works there who said look without the computers and files you know our employees they worked resourcefully they grabbed typewriters from old cupboards and they started typing out memos to each other. I don't know, CC, maybe they got the photocopier going as well. Uh, they wrote by hand receipts. And this is the one I particularly loved. They got out lists of people who'd taken out a library book and were overdue. And they were doing all of that by hand as well. So the really essential thing. Well, as long things, as they were focusing out yeah, exactly on the, exactly. Uh, the, the hard issues exactly. at hand. This is, this is what they were handling. Well, there's not a lot going on, I guess, you know, 35 miles north of Anchorage. How dare you? I can't believe as a Canadian... I mean, they are your close cousins up there. I sure. deign to say that in a lot of places in Canada, not a lot is going on. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's an insult. Hence you came over here. So a number of different organisations are getting hit by ransomware and it's causing this kind of impact. Cosco, who I was speaking about earlier, they aren't the first shipping giant to have been affected at the hands of ransomware. There was another high-profile victim a year ago, the Dutch shipping giant Maersk, which is thought to have spent $200 million overcoming the outbreak it suffered. 
which is pretty significant, I'd say. They got hit by NotPetya. They reinstalled 4,000 servers, 45,000 PCs, and 2,500 applications over the course of 10 days. They completely rebuilt their network in just 10 days, which is pretty impressive stuff. And I'll link to a video of their chairman describing how they recovered from NotPetya. I can't believe it's not overkill, you know. Well, if something hits as badly as it did Maersk, and it looks like the Costco infection isn't as bad as that, then mm. in some ways you do have to sort of start again from scratch, don't you? Because you've got to restore from backups, you don't trust the computers, you've got to reinstall them, yada, yada, yes, yada. Yes, well, the fact that they were able to do that in 10 days suggests they definitely had very good backups in place, so I, good for and them. And I think they put a lot of people onto it and worked jolly hard as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Costco... They say that they have now recovered completely. It took about five or six days after they were first hit by the ransomware. But considering the severe impact that Maersk suffered after it was hit by ransomware last year, I think that means Costco is either very, very lucky that the ransomware didn't spread further or it's very, very mistaken about the nature of the infection they might have (laughs) suffered. Things might be very much worse than we imagined. Oh, it's not unusual for a company to tell us that things are a lot easier (laughs) and better than they actually are, you know? Not at all. And I think it's important to remember that even though there are other threats like hacking US politicians or supply chain threats or crypto mining, which are maybe taking some of the spotlight in the headlines right now, ransomware does remain a problem. And this particularly pernicious, aggressive type of ransomware, which scoots through your network like Bilio, can be particularly damaging for organisations. Mm-hmm. The worm has returned. Yeah. And the impact is maybe your boats don't sail or maybe your production plant ceases operation and, you know, you are just hemorrhaging money as a result before you even begin trying to do the clean-up. Mm. And also, they, you know, whoever's hit you knows that your IT department is heavily tied up in trying to fix this problem. And so if you were minded to attack uh, along a different line you know that you've probably got an easier chance because they're going to have their hands full with cleaning up the ransomware infection. I mean, you know, 10 days, you know during that 10 days, their hands were really full with this yeah. uh, mask. So, you know, if you'd wanted to attack in a different way, you, you might pick that as your, as your window. So. You might very well do. But I, I kind of love this image, though, from Matsu in, in Alaska of them getting the typewriters out of the cupboards and writing everything by hand. It's almost like, oh, who, who are we going to get to help us do this? Let's, let's get a whole bunch of hipsters in who love using typewriters. I, I used to love typewriters. I love that ding at the end of every line, <laughs> you know, as you moved it yeah. along. Well, it's amazing it's, they still had typewriters. I mean, I just, <laughs> well, you know. You don't, you don't throw them out 35 miles north of Anchorage, right? <laughs> oh it's all, it's all f- frozen tundra, practically. <laughs> There's nowhere for them to go. You might try and create a funeral pyre for the typewriters, but it just won't light. Is that the problem? Oh, there's a, no, people love, people love typewriters. You could tell. I, just, just, I, I guess just, the shipping costs from Anchorage are a bit heavy. I've just got this image of a guy, some crusty old guy in that sort of, uh, stores department wearing probably one of those green visors. Do you remember the green visors? Oh, yes. And um, a shirt with those elastic bands around the sleeves. To I love those. Yeah. And and somebody rushing down and going, quick, quick, Norman, we need the typewriters. Him going, finally, finally. We need the library book patrons list now. And he, he goes to this enormous cupboard and he open, blows the dust off and opens it up and it's full of typewriters and eight tracks and all this stuff that he's been saying. Yes, my day has come. Get the carbon copy sheets out. Yes. I knew it would come. Only all with a Canadian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, everything's funny with a Canadian accent. Well, really America is. in Anchorage. Oh, yeah. Oh, true. Oh, true. Right. Guys. 
It's all right. Sorry. I'll let, I'll let it slide. Some geographic pedantry there. Oh, yeah, just a country or another. In my mind, Norman was Canadian. That was the, that was the issue. Yeah, Norman is Canadian, actually. Norman is he the just, rest of the company. But he just Norman works is... in Alaska. All right, Carol? <laughs> actually, Carl. I'm a technology journalist, not a geography teacher. Damn it. So, Jeff, what's your story for us this week? Um, well, I'm still slightly obsessing about the Dixon's car phone uh, breach, which yes. it was reported today is worse uh, than they thought. Ten times worse. Rather than a million, it's around 10 million. It's um, a big difference, isn't it? It is. I'm not very good at math, but is that like a thousand percent? With, the, <laughs> with these... Um, no. <laughs> is the short answer. With these breaches, you never you never know which way it's going to go. Um, Talk Talk, for example, said mm-hmm. initially it could be up to four million customers, turned out to be one hundred and fifty thousand, and it's like this sort of data breach version of play your cards right, you know, higher, higher, yeah. lower, lower. But no, this has turned out to be, as I say, in the order of, of ten million to date. Just a month or two ago, it was one point two yes, million or so. About a month after it was initially revealed, and, and so obviously they found some more sort of skeletons hidden in the closet. I have to say though, I just have. Some real concerns and confusion, really, about what uh, Dixon's car phone are saying about this publicly. So, and I kept this on my phone. I'm going to read it out because I was intrigued by this. This was when the breach first happened. And this is from the statement Mm. on their website. I'm going to read this out. And uh, even for for non-tech security type people, I'm fairly sure as I read this out, you'll start to spot the kind of confusing bit of this. Okay, so here we go. This is June 15th. This is from... Our investigation has found 1.2 million records, which we now know obviously was fewer, far fewer, but 1.2 million records containing non-financial personal data, name, email address, address, have been accessed, right? It now goes on to say, we have no evidence that this information has left our systems. Mm-hmm. Let me read that out again. So this information has been accessed, but they've no evidence that it's left our systems. Yes, I mean, how how, I, how does that how does that actually work? It, it's like <laughs> me saying, you know, I came into your house, I opened the fridge, I licked all the food, but I've not tasted any of it. It's weird. It makes well, no sense. You would notice, though, right? If it was huge, huge amounts of data being hoovered away from your system, you might have an event log somewhere that tells you that. You might. But, I mean, fundamentally, if the information's been accessed, yes, one way to do it is to exfiltrate it from the system yeah. and you might notice a huge amount of data going out. But fundamentally, if it's been accessed, it's been accessed. If it's been viewed at the very yes. simplest level, viewed, yes. the yeah. information has come to someone else's computer screen, yes. hasn't it? It's compromised. Yeah. And you know, yeah. it's come out. Yeah. Mm. So I was, I was slightly confused about that. And, and now I'm even more confused now by the current message uh, from Dixon's car phone, which is talking about the credit card data that was stolen. So mm. the 1.2 million, which is now 10 million records, is name, email address, and so on. And mm. what they've said is there's actually also 5.9 million credit card details have been taken. Oh. And what they've said is that these cards are protected by chip and pin. That's the reassuring bit. Yes, the card details have been stolen, <laughs> but they're protected by chip and pin. Now, that applies when you go into a shop, doesn't it? I don't. I yeah. mean, chip and pin when you're online, that doesn't that doesn't happen. I'm not asked to insert my my credit card into my floppy disk drive if I had one when I make an online purchase. I've tried; it doesn't work. And so, and here's the real kicker. Here's the real kicker. So, a the the cards aren't protected as far as I'm aware by chip and pin online. But b today I set up a new Amazon account with uh, a new email address. 
I gave the Amazon account a surface address, which was nothing to do with me. It was an ex-employer of mine. So it's a surface address that's not tied to me. I then took somebody else's credit card. Don't worry, it's a relative. They gave me permission. I put their card details in, which doesn't match my name and doesn't match this surface address I'd given to Amazon. And I started ordering stuff. So you're not only not protected by chip and pin, but if anybody's got these credit cards, people say, oh, well, they haven't got the three-digit number Mm. on the back. You don't need it. Oh, and guess where I got the goods delivered to? Tell us. I'm going to get the goods delivered to an Amazon locker somewhere. So there's no record of the address. <laughs> this now, book you're writing, Jeff, is this actually a, a dummy's guide to doing cybercrime? <laughs> yeah, because we don't want, we're not doing that on this show. Look, I'm not happy about this either. I, That's I'm not what we're about, Jeff. As to why you can put in fake details. Now, admittedly, with this, I didn't click the buy now button because I. I didn't want to spend loads of money on my family's credit card. But um, you can enter these details in. So it just perplexes me. When you get a breach like this, you get Dixon's car phone saying, hey, you know, don't worry, it's all protected by chip and pin, which makes no sense. And then you, you think, well, if they get the credit card number, they can just enter it into places like Amazon and make purchases. And for those people who don't live in the UK, Dixon's car phone, which is the parent company of Curry's Dixon's and many other high street well-known names. They're, they're a big deal here, aren't they? They're, they're, they're a big company. Many, many people will have bought things from them. Yeah, they're like the McDonald's of uh, tech, I guess. They have, yeah, they have millions of customers. And in, in fairness, they're mm. one of the very few sort of technology retailers that are still yes. around on the high street. So yeah. they have not just an online presence. And also Carphone, of course, you know, mobile phone uh, retailer and sales place. So it's, it's not just sort of white goods and fridges and freezers and that kind of thing. So no. as I say, for this, I just feel the communication about what's happened has been slightly baffling and frankly in this day and age with gdpr and with the with the level of tech savvy i think people have got I, i'm surprised if people will not be confused by that well i must admit i i'm confused because uh, like we said a month or two ago when they first announced that there'd been a breach they said over five million payment card details had been taken albeit not the chip and pin information and then in the announcement we've had this week about the uh, many, many additional personal details which come out, they said, but we can confirm no payment card information has been taken. And initially, I thought, oh, maybe they made a mistake in their initial announcement that no payment card information was taken. But I think they mean in connection with these additional millions and millions of users. Is that right? That's how I understand it as well and how I yeah. read it as well, yeah. Yeah, it is it's, but it's already though. confusing and irritating and, you know. Which is odd because they're so helpful when you actually go into the store. <laughs> the customer service. Yes. If you go in and ask them Words fail me. Words things. fail yeah, me exactly. when I try and explain I, how wonderful their service is. I can't begin to say how what a pleasant experience it's been. Wait, I've got a, I've got a really low threshold for detecting sarcasm. Is this, is that, was all of that sarcastic or not? Please tell me. <laughs> You'll never know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, since the, the demise of Maplin, which was the other mm. high yep. street UK electronics retailer that I mourn the loss of every yeah, time too, I need it. Yes, thing, they were more nerdy. Yeah. There was a part of me that really wants Dixon's Curry's sort of high street presence to survive. But like I say, it's, it, it's, not, it's not been a good time for them. Yeah. I know I'm a technology journalist, so I sort of obsess about this stuff. But I just think statements like that come out and you just think that doesn't give me a huge amount of faith in your ability to explain things and... and to, to feel like you're dealing with a kind of honest source of information mm. with this. So. And think about it. Dixon's are the places where now a lot of people are going to be buying their smart IoT devices, mm. right? And what is the supply oh, yes. chain on that? And where did you get it from? And what route? And they can't manage being able to explain this old hack. It does leave you worried for IoT devices. Mm. Oi, Dixon's, sort it out, all right? <laughs> 
White, your section's <laughs> over. Sorry. Terrio, over to you. Oh, dear. And breathe. Okay, I am talking about this great piece that I saw this morning, um, a piece of investigative reporting from Motherboard. So it's all based on California, the authorities there, arresting a 20-year-old Bostonian college student named Joel Ortiz. And they're currently holding him on a bail of a million dollars. Our little friend Joel is quite a big catch for California. He's accused of stealing more than $5 million in cryptocurrency. Now, Joel did not hack exchanges, and he didn't go after the everyday crypto investor either. Joel had another plan entirely. His game was to identify crypto and blockchain high rollers and then wrangle meet and greets with them at conferences. So actually physically meet them. Yeah. (laughs) People who had lots of cryptocurrency. That's right. All right. Okay. So the plan was to get enough info off his targets to pull off that old chestnut, the port out scam, in order to get access to their email and crypto accounts. This is the, the SIM swap thing. That's right. This is where a scammer dupes your phone company into porting your number to a new phone. And in this case, one in the scammer's control. Oh, interesting. We talked about this in a recent show. I don't know which one, though. Also in that episode, we talked about how you can safeguard your phone against these threats. So do check it Answers out. Answers in the show notes. <laughs> So the advantage of meeting face-to-face is he can say, oh, where'd you grow up? You know, are you married? What's your wife's name? He can get all of that. What's your porn star name? If you were to choose a password or a pin code, what would be some of your favourite ones? (laughs) Joel was particularly active at the New York Consensus Conference in May. Consensus is a blockchain tech summit run Mm -hmm. by Coindesk. In one of at least three attacks that reportedly happened during consensus, Ortiz is accused of swiping 1.5 million from a cryptocurrency entrepreneur, including nearly a million that he had crowdfunded in an ICO. So at this conference, he allegedly stole one and a half million dollars through the SIM swap scams. From one single, from one single <laughs> So target. he must have got their number and chatted them up and then rung the phone company and posing as him or something that's right crikey okay and got the number transferred to device within his control here let me walk you through how the cops caught him and i think the story comes out quite well here so first thing cops get wind of something fishy when a blockchain investor says his phone number was stolen ortiz is said to have hijacked this investor's phone at least twice reset email cryptocurrency passwords added his own two-factor google authenticator app to further lock the victim out and even harass the guy's wife and daughter demanding Bitcoin. So the cops hear all this and they say, right, okay, we're going to get a warrant for AT&T phone records Mm -hmm. for the victim. And focusing on the days where the scammer was in control of the phone number, not the actual victim. They found that the device making these calls during that time when the scammer was in charge of the number were made on an Android. Now, the victim never used an Android, so... Ipso facto, the phone was likely used by the scammer. You would think if this guy's managed to steal one and a half million dollars, he could have afforded an iPhone rather than using some <laughs> I don't know. They're pretty expensive these days, <laughs> Mr. Cluey. Now, I thought this was quite interesting, this bit, because I wonder if that means that cops can sidestep the hassle of proving the requirement for a warrant because they have the victim, the owner of that data, permission to troll through the phone records. Do you see what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Mm. 
Yeah, I steal your phone number, Jeff, right? And then I, yeah. I, go, I do a port out scam, call your provider and get, the, get your number yeah. swapped over to my phone. Yeah. But then you still own the data. You still own that yeah. phone number, I think, in terms of, you know, uh, identity. Yep. So you'd yeah, be yeah, able yeah, to because, say, yeah, sure, no problem, cops. You can have access to my stuff. Just call my provider. Here's a written. Because the, because the transfer of control of the mobile phone account across to the alleged crook isn't, isn't a genuine transfer. You've been fraudulently convinced. So you still, and also, yeah, you still, you still own the account. You're still the actual real owner of the account. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that was yeah. interesting. Anyway, so, so that's the first thing they do. So now they know that there was an Android used. So the cops then send Google a search warrant for data connected with these Android phones. And they're using the IMEI number as the identifier, right? They find out that there's a Gmail and a Microsoft Live account. They get another warrant. They send this to Google to search through that Gmail account. And this is where they found evidence of criminally inclined interest and evidence that link that account to Joel Ortiz, our crypto port out scammer. Mm. Then, right, then the cops serve warrants at the crypto exchanges. Coinbase, Bittrex, and Binance were all uh, targeted. These warrants revealed that Joel had more than a million dollars worth of crypto stashed somewhere. Now, they'd been able to recover about a quarter mil, but the authorities aren't sure where the rest of the money is being stored. So it's not being stored on the exchange, but there is obviously a paper trail there of how much money is tied to him. Has to be said, I mean, if you're transferring those quantities of money out, if you went to a bank and tried to do that, um, obviously not having a million pounds at my disposal, I've never done this, but... Really? Oh, God, it's so fun. It's a daily activity for me. <laughs> I suspect... I sus- I'm going to have to start getting paid for these podcasts. I suspect... <laughs> I suspect if you went to a bank, they, they would demand quite a high level of, of evidence of verification. It's interesting, from the sounds of it, that, that some of these um, Bitcoin mm. exchanges... Are, are quite prepared to transfer a million and a half of currency out. And, and it seems he's got one of the checks. Yeah that, quarter, yeah, that was done by the authorities. And I don't know, again, how he's been doing it. We don't know if he's been siphoning off little bits at a time. Ah, it could be, yes. Or where he's storing that cash, or whether he has a physical device. Yes. Ah, so now be, the yeah. cops kind of go, okay, the guy's got lots of money. We have evidence of him running a kind of Gmail account where he kind of looked for stuff online that was, you know, with phishing and all this. Same things we do as journalists as well, so... Um, so the cops go full circle and they head back to AT&T with a warrant. They now want to know how many victims Ortiz potentially duped. So what they ask for is the phone numbers that are linked to the handset's IMEI number over the last few years. Okay. And guess what? They find 40 numbers that had been linked to that physical oh. device, Ortiz's phone. Oh, so he's been swapping other people's numbers onto this same Android device. For- He's got two Android devices, mm-hmm. so two individual IMEI numbers, and that's basically been the paper trail for the, for the authorities. So when you, when you set up a number on a device, if, if, whether you've taken it over legitimately or, or, or illegitimately, the phone provider gets the IMEI number as well as the, this is the phone, the, the actual handset's unique identifier. Yeah. As well as the phone. Exactly. Okay. The arrest happened. 20-year-old Bostonian Jules Ortiz was arrested at LAX on his way to Europe. He was reportedly flashing a Gucci bag as part of a recent spending spree, which they think are tied <laughs> to some of the caches he's been able to steal. He is facing, so he's 20 years old, right? He's facing 28 charges, 13 counts of identity theft, 13 counts of hacking, and two counts of grand theft. And his hearing is August 9th. Well, There's loads more details on this on Motherboard, so it's really worth checking out. Um, check out our Smashing Security episode notes to, uh, for links. Well, well, well done him. His parents must be very proud. Uh, nice work. So I, kept, I was thinking, I wonder, like, is the money lost forever? 
Well, the advantages they would have, yeah, the advantages they yes. would probably use the blockchain to spot what wallet address it was transferred from and to. Basically, mm. all cryptocurrency is lost forever. Um, the, the general rule is as soon as we, you or I, buy any cryptocurrency, the price will plummet and be worth nothing. That's just the way our <laughs> luck works. Oh, I, I, know. I think I'm quite lucky, actually, Crow. Have you, have you got any c- mm. cryptocurrency, Crow? Um, are we going to pick the week soon? <laughs> all right. <laughs> After this break, let's hear from our sponsors. Many of us have worked in big companies, right? And we know that it only takes one person to make a boo-boo to allow the hackers in. Imagine running a company, hiring new stuff, and worrying that one of them might bring their bad password habits into the office. Horrendous nightmare. That's one of the reasons why businesses, small and large, need a password management solution like LastPass Enterprise. LastPass brings a vast array of features for enterprise users, including company-wide policies, reporting, user groups and roles, and new support for Microsoft Active Directory. As an administrator, you can create highly secure passwords for your new starters right from the onset. means no snafus. Listeners can check it out for themselves by visiting lastpass.com slash smashing. No more password snafus, no more boo-boos, just LastPass. Hey, Clue. Hey, Kroll. Did you listen to my uh, little bit about MetaCompliance and their e-learning? Oh, yeah, I heard that earlier in the show. Yeah, nice Did you? one. Yeah. Okay. Well, have you signed up yet? Well, no, I've been doing the podcast, Kroll. I haven't had time to sign up for it, have I? Well, women know how to multitask. Surely you can get a move on and sign up. We get 10% off. Just go to smashingsecurity.com. You should know that website. Slash metacompliance and enter the code smashing with a G. Smashingsecurity.com slash metacompliance. Enter the code smashing. Terrific. With a G. Cool. And welcome back. And you join us on our favorite time of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever <laughs> they like. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Please, for the love of God, don't be this week. Mine is not security related, Crow. Yay! Mine this week is a podcast. Often you're choosing podcasts. Well, I'm going to choose a podcast this time. Okay. And it is a podcast which comes from Mm Slate.com. And I've really enjoyed it. It is called Slow Burn. And have you heard it? Yes, I've listened. Yeah, I have. Long time ago, but it's great. Sorry for being behind the times. Um, Slow Burn's first season was all about Watergate and the fall of Richard Nixon. And being, I'm just a young whippersnapper. I mean, I can barely remember Watergate. Uh, Didn't really know what was going on. Didn't know very much about it. But this is the inside story. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, Graham, you're the one who told me about Slow Burn about a year ago. Well. Now, mm. now I'm recommending it because they are starting <laughs> season two very soon, Carol. Cool. Which is going to focus on a chap very close to your heart, going by the name of William Clinton. Ooh. And his entanglement with a young intern named Monica <sighs> Lewinsky. Brilliant. I sat in front of the television during that whole, that whole I was riveted. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. 
Miss Lewinsky, I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Would it be fair to say, Crow, that you have a little bit of a crush? God, no. Oh. No? Not, on, not, not on Billy. Not on Milica. No, not on Mark either, no. <laughs> anyway, um, I will put a link in the show notes. I'd highly recommend it. It's very interesting. I know uh, I, I'm obviously listening to a lot of political podcasts at the moment. I do, can't imagine why. And maybe slow burn. Sometimes you may, may reflect as you're listening to the impeachment of Richard Nixon what this might say about the current situation which we're in as well. Who knows? A little bit of politics for you there. But I'm going to switch now to Jeff to ask Jeff, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week, I, I read an amazing article on the Daily Beast website okay. by a guy called Jeff Mache. This was about the defrauding of the McDonald's ah, yes. Monopoly promotion. Did you read about this? Yes. So, no, I did not. McDonald's, for years, uh, I don't know whether it's, I presume it's not still running, but um, they had a, a tie-up with Monopoly where they would give away Monopoly cards, and if you collected them, you could win. And there were some big prizes. I mean, the, the top prizes were a million dollars, so, you know, you could do quite well. Um, the guy who was in charge of security, an ex-police officer at the place where the cards were being printed kind of got greedy in the end but what was fascinating i mean it's an amazing story about how he tries to run this because of course he can't you know yes he's got the winning pieces but he can't go in and claim it because it's like well hang on you're the head of security what what so he he starts creating this network of people and saying well do you know anybody who could do this and do do they know anybody so he he passes it down a chain but of course the money is coming back to him he's taking a cut uh, of every time somebody, you know, fortunately claims one of these wins. But what what I loved was what got them in the end was increasingly the people he's relying on, they're always a bit dodgy and increasingly they're just dodgy losers. And with these folks, whenever they got a win, McDonald's would say, hey, do you want to star in an advert for promotion? And they'd go, yeah, I really do. And so they were appearing on telly. <laughs> And then eventually somebody at McDonald's went, hang on, that's the brother of the guy who won a few weeks ago in the same area. And there's photos of of these fraudsters appearing on McDonald's promotions (laughs) saying, I won 100,000, I'm so happy. And it's just an amazing story. But what's incredible about this is, I hadn't really heard of this, Um, all the trial happened around the same time as the 9-11 attacks. So the whole thing kind of got a bit buried, Nobody, and it didn't get as much publicity as it was going to get. Oh, right, of course. Um, but it's just a fascinating story. It's not tech, but fraud-related stuff. It is a rip-boring yarn. And the, the cast of characters is, um, yeah, <laughs> intriguing. If only they're dressed up as the Hamburglar, then they wouldn't have been identified. <laughs> <laughs> they missed a trick there. Yep, yep. They should have yep. thought it through. Yeah. Well, a nice story. We'll put in a link to the show notes to that Daily Beast article where people can read some more about it. Yeah. Yep. Kroll, I bet you've got a good pick of the week for us. Well, I was going to talk about Sasha Baron Cohen's Who is America series, but it's it's kind of, I don't know, I'm just worried. I, I want to see a few more episodes before I do it, because it's pretty close to the knuckle, isn't it? I, it is. I, I really am enjoying it. I know. What was it? I th- is it, is it was, there's been two published so far. No, three. Three, three. so far. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, have, I, I haven't seen the third one. So instead, I'm going to go down the superhero road for downtime distractions. So I'm no means a superhero connoisseur, unless it's Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. And yes, I did say Goldbum. I don't think he's a superhero, Crow. 
He's a scientist who goes in a teleport machine and ends up with wings. All scientists oh. are oh, superheroes. Okay. You know yeah. that. I'll back down. I'll back down. <laughs> Same as Spider-Man, scientist. Yeah. I watched an episode of this thing called, uh, what's it called? Cloak and Dagger. It wasn't my bag at all. But this one is. It's called Legion. It's an FX psychedelic sci thriller. And it's pulled together by um, Noah Hawley. He was the creator of the FX Fargo. Um, so Legion follows the adventures of David Haler. You probably won't know them if you're not a Marvel fan. Um, but the idea is basically, is he schizophrenic or is he the most powerful mutant on Earth? And he is our eyes and ears. And it turns out he's not a very reliable narrator either. So it's very confusing and quirky and disturbing. And it takes different routes and you have no idea where it's going to go next. And I think, honestly, I think it's going to be a cult classic. There's cool people in it as well. You know, there's like the Downton Abbey. One of the Downton Abbey dudes is on it. Hugh Bonneville. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Lady Mary? Hello. Hello. I'm a a mutant. No, it's Dan Stephen. And I don't know. I think he plays the Crawley Crawley or something. And uh, But there's also Audrey Plaza of uh, Parks and Recreation fame, who I'm a huge fan of. In fact, check out this trailer for season two. This features Aubrey, and it's pretty cool. How are you feeling since our last season? I need to remind you Mm -hmm. what you think is real never occurred. David Holler, he's a figment, a reflection of who you wish you could be. His lover, your repressed sexual appetite. His friends, surrogates for all the little broken broken parts parts of your psyche. psyche. The exciting lives they live are your dreamscape. It was all a projection of your subconscious. Nothing more. It's all in your head. You're what we call delusional. And you know what else? I'm not even real. And what's coming is, well... What's coming is very, very real. But let's save that for our next season. See, bet you're dying to watch it now, guys. Cool. So anyway, good cast. It's intelligent. It's slightly existential. It's got a dab of horror. And it's smart. And it's great. So watch and wh- it. Where can we find this show, Carol, to watch it? Um, you can find it on Amazon. Okay. And I think you can find it on FX as well. Okay. Awesome. Nice. But I don't think it's part of Prime. You actually have to fork out for it. What's the name again? What's it called again? It's called Legion. And it's just started. Legion. I think it's finished its second season uh, very recently. So season one, you wow. definitely have to start at the beginning for it to make any sense. I find myself tantalised, Crow, by your pick of the week. I don't think it's for you. I don't. I don't. I think it's too highbrow for you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that shocking bombshell, it's about time to wrap up the show. Uh, Jeff, if people want to follow you and find out more about you, what should they do? They should go to Twitter and follow me. It's at Jeff White two four seven, and it's Jeff G E O F F Jeff White. Fantastic, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Smash In Security. No G. Twitter doesn't have to have a G. You can pick up T-shirts and stickers and mugs and things like that at the smashinsecurity.com slash store. And uh, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people, uh, new people, find the show and discover us, which is terrific. Did you see? We got a great one. I think just today, actually. Did you see? A nice Grant? review. Talk- yeah, nice review. Talking that you know we're creative and fun and informative and addictive. Ooh. 
um, by someone. Add star 7878. Oh. There you go. So, yay, thank you very much. It was really lovely oh. to receive that. And he's, he says he's going to flick 20 people's ears unless we immediately read I don't really know what that means, like. yeah. I don't know what that <laughs> no, means. it means literally he's going to flick people's ears. He, he's going oh, to encourage okay. them. I thought it was a euphemism. Well, not everything is a euphemism. Just <laughs> Go to smashingsecurity.com to check out past episodes. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. See you later, guys. Bye. Adieu. Toodaloo. Farewell. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. Adieu. Whatever. Okay. I'm going to press stop. Because listeners can visit lastpass.com slash smashing. I can't even talk. Vis- listeners can visit lastpass.com slash smashing. Slash. That's what you've written. No, I've written slash. I can't. Slash. You said slash. It's very hard to do last pass slash smashing. You try it.